0: either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? (laughs) You waste all the film.
1: It's so bad.
0: Oh, it is a monster-sized screening room podcast this week for obvious reasons. Welcome to it. Glad you're here. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com. Starting where else? Two titans going at it. The fight of the century. The main event, Godzilla versus Kong. We need Kong. The world needs him. To stop what's coming.
1: These are dangerous times. Go! Godzilla is out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. Yeah!
0: There is something provoking him that we're not seeing here.
1: I'm of the same opinion. Go!
0: The myths are real. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. There
1: was
2: a war. Go! And they're the last ones standing. I keep
1: it for greatness because I'm built from it.
2: Kong bows to no
0: one. I didn't read the official synopsis there because why? Right. Uh, this is Godzilla versus Kong. What's that about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're counting, this is the fourth film in since the Titan Monsterverse was first rebooted 20, in 2014 with Godzilla, that that version of Godzilla, which which wasn't terrible. Uh, and then after that, we got Kong Skull Island, which was great. It was so fun. It was so, so, so and fun. Then la- and that's the one with the uh, extra scene that lit the fuse for mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, just uh, last time, we got Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which sucked. Yeah. Uh, now we are back on the thumbs up because yes. this was a lot of fun.
2: It really was. And one of the things that I think Kong Skull Island got so right was tone. It knew it was a popcorn muncher. That's what it is. It's a fun movie about a giant ape. And I'm not and the saying... the effects were yeah, good. They were good. And yeah, it wasn't misty and murky and you could actually see what was going on. And I'm not saying that Godzilla vs. Kong, I don't think... It's not as fun... But it's, it's so much closer to so that much. than the tone of the last two Godzilla movies, which I think, you know, I think what synched, syncs those two films is the self-importance, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the very, like, melodramatic, uh, you know, it's a giant monster. Have some fun with it.
0: They're relying too much on the human element. And they got weighed down, especially last time. Right. Uh, King of the Monsters got so weighed down with Who melodrama. Cares? Who cares yeah.
2: what happens to the humans? We want to see the monsters.
0: <laughs> and so it's really, really not even worth it, I guess, to tell you about the convoluted storyline that gets these two together. That really doesn't matter. The, the point is, they're fighting. Uh, but there, there is, of course, some human element to it, and you're going to have... You have uh, Millie Bobby Brown returns. Kyle Chandler returns for the uh, mansplaining. But (laughs) that's really... It's almost a cameo, really. It it? really is. Yeah,
2: two scenes in a tent.
0: Yeah. uh, And then you have uh, Rebecca Hall, Alexander Skarsgård, and Brian Tyree Henry. Now, as fun as Kong Skull Island was, a lot of the fun for this film comes from the character of Brian Tyree Henry. He is great. He steals all sorts of scenes, and that's where the humor comes in, because he plays a, a Titan Truth podcaster uh, determined to get to the truth about Godzilla and why he attacked the Apex headquarters unprovoked. He thinks there's more to the story, and so does Millie Bobby Brown's character. And, uh, and his podcasting guy is great. The little asides and the little attitude he brings, that delivers the levity that, not as much as Kong Skull Island had, but a, a welcome amount.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, he's great in everything and he makes so many movies that uh, you may not know his name but there's no way that you've seen a movie in the last three years and you don't know his face. <laughs> and he really is. He is good in every single thing I've seen him in and and it was, he was a welcome
0: yeah, breath of humor for this film. And director now, the director here is Adam Wingard and I think he's got a great grip on what makes a movie like this go. Um, first of all, you get Action early, like Kong Skull Island did. Remember, that was on the ground, That's running. Right. Early and often. Early and often, and cleaned up the effects. There's some great CGI effects in here. Great color. Color all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. You have no problem telling who's fighting, uh, as you did in, in King of the Monsters. Um, and it's it's fantastically realized, and it's gr- it's got a great sound design. It does. It really even, does. Even on, because we watched it early, which meant we watched it at home. We watched it on an iPad Pro. And even then, the sound coming out of that, I thought was just excellent. Yeah. The way it was almost like a surround sound. And, and we, we didn't have it hooked up to some big speakers either. We no. were just using the, the factory speakers. So anyway, it's got a great sound design, great cinematography effects. All that delivers big time. And yes, Kong is bigger. Uh, you'll notice they try to make a little bit of a reason for that. But who cares? He's bigger.
2: He, <laughs> he's, I mean, it's such a funny idea sometimes. You're like, well, Kong's not supposed to be this big. He's not supposed to be anything at all. <laughs> He's not supposed to be. He's a big, giant monster ape. Come on.
0: Exactly. And so it delivers all the action, all the popcorn-munching action that you want. We we were, especially me, actually yelling at the screen. Yes. Because it was that much fun. I would get caught up in it. So this is the one. It seems like we've been waiting so long for the movie that brings people back to theaters. It seems like this could be the one. And it, it certainly will reward you because... It's made for a big screen. Yeah, it really it, is. It really is, and it's and it's PG thirteen.
2: That's right. I mean, we're not saying it's a it's a masterful piece of cinema. No, it's kind of dumb. It's just fun, but and it looks great, and yeah. it sounds great.
0: And as we're getting out of the the horrible year and the horrible winter, and we want some fun, and this is, it's the seems like the timing is perfect. It really does, and and it delivers on the fun and the big monsters fighting. And uh, you ask us who won, we're not going to tell you. You got to go find out for yourself with Godzilla vs. Kong, where we had fun with it on HBO Max and in theaters. Next is another one only in theaters. An aging Manhattan socialite living on what's barely left of her inheritance moves to a small apartment in Paris with her son and cat. French exit. Have you heard any rumors regarding my reputation? I heard that you were odd. Well, I'm more than odd. There's a goodly part of me that wants to set this building on fire. What do you think of that? I've never been so
2: hurt as when I saw your face for the first time.
1: Why? Because you were
2: me. That's such a cliché, isn't it? Someone killing themselves after the glamour has passed. But you know what a cliché is? It's a story so fine that it's grown old in its hopeful retelling. So if you're looking for the film least like Godzilla vs. Kong, this might be it.
0: Yeah, and it is really a treat. Number one, just seeing Michelle Pfeiffer in this role. She is fantastic. She would be the reason to see this movie if there weren't any other reasons. But but there are. It's a darkly funny, dry comedy that has plenty of absurdity to it, too. Now, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is just so... She just has contempt for everyone in her <laughs> eyesight. And every word out of her lips just just drips with condescension. And Michelle Pfeiffer delivers it so well. It's just perfect.
2: She's She is just a remarkable talent, and she always has been. And, and you know, I've really loved seeing her in the films that she's made in the last four or five years because it, the fact that she's moved on from being sort of box office gold. It's like she can be more selective mm-hmm. in her in her roles and pick real characters and just she just delivers this one so perfectly.
0: Yeah, this is is really a fantastic role and a great ensemble because when her character has yeah, squandered this inheritance from her late husband played by Tracy Letts um, and then she accepts an offer from her best friend to go and live in her best friend's empty apartment in Paris, so she takes her son, played by Lucas Hedges, uh, who's great again, too. Always he's he's so solid. Man, what a great young actor. And the plan is, once she spends the very last dollar, she is going to make her French exit and kill herself. So they go to take um, residence in this Paris apartment, and then slowly you get some of these hangers on, and then you find out that um, her ex-husband her late husband's soul has returned in a cat <laughs> okay and then we have a medium that is the the conduit or talking with the cat and the soul and all these other people come into the to the apartment and you get the feeling that would almost be sort of a wes anderson knockoff in its absurdity and its comedy but there's really too much unabashed heart here on its sleeve um Michelle Pfeiffer's Francis character never really becomes an outright villain, and she's able to walk that that balance between being such a contemptuous person and and just such a darkly funny mess. And its its message comes across a little. As far as French exits go, it might be a little obvious, but it's no less wickedly fun. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And uh, the director is Azazel Jacobs, Azazel Jacobs, who did The Lovers. Yeah, remember that one with Deborah Winger and, and Tracy Lutz? Lutz? Very good. And uh, it's, it's the adapted, the script is adapted by the uh, writer of the book, the source novel, Patrick DeWitt. And there, there is a lot to like here, starting with Michelle Pfeiffer at the top of the cast, and really the entire cast sells it. It's just a darkly funny, absurd comedy that might have moments where you go, really? But just go with it, and I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. And it's in theaters now, French Exit. Next is a Netflix premiere. A teenager discovers the world of urban horseback riding when he moves in with his estranged father in North Philadelphia. It's Concrete Cowboy.
2: Fifty percent of all cowboys were black. Even the long range were black. <laughs>
1: Who's the long range?
2: Really? <laughs> are you teaching this boy anything?
1: Yo, yo, what are you doing? You want to ride the street life? You can't be in my house. You want to wise up? You welcome back.
2: Welcome back to what? I ain't got no home here.
1: That's your choice. I have
2: something for you. Oh, look! Like
1: real cowboy. (laughs) People used to believe that breaking a
2: horse meant crushing the will of the animal. (laughs) The only way you can realize its true spirit is through love. This one starts off familiarly enough. It's a teenage boy. He's gotten in so much trouble with the law and with his school. You know that in his, Detroit in Detroit, that his mother, you know, just desperate, decides that she's going to drop him off with his estranged father for a summer of tough love. the The young man is played by. Caleb McLaughlin. Thank you, from Stranger Things, and Mm -hmm. he's wonderful in this role. He really is. And his father is played by Idris Elba, who is always great. But it's when he drops him off in North Philly, in just the center, you you know, of uh, the very urban North Philadelphia, that things take a weird turn because his dad is a cowboy, as are his neighbors and his friends. They're cowboys. They live in very urban North Philadelphia With with their horses. Urban stables. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things about the movie. It gives it's a father-son bonding drama based around this very real American sub subculture that a lot of people probably don't even know exists. And it's it's ba- this is based on a book. The book was called Ghetto Cowboy, I think. So it's it's based on real life situations and actually some of the real life cowboys are in this cast. They're not actors, they're real real urban or quote quote unquote urban cowboys. And even those people do a pretty good job in the cast. And
2: you don't always find that. I mean, a lot yeah. of times people you know, are, are cast at, as non-actors in a film, and you think to yourself, oh, they're the ones who can't act. But I don't think that they don't stand out to me in this film as which ones are right. trained actors and which ones are not. I think that the, the the whole cast, top to bottom, does a great job. Method Man is really good in this movie.
0: He's better than I've ever seen him. Yeah, yeah.
2: he's really good in he this pl- movie.
0: He plays the local sheriff who... It kind of has to toe the line between still being their friend and enforcing the law because they're, they're getting a lot of complaints about the the situation that they, they, they promote with the horses and then there's animal control involved and so it gets into breaking the law. And then, of course, you have the son who, once he moves to Philadelphia and with his father, he has to choose a life. Is he going to go toward his father's way of life or he's going to fall in with friends who are up to no good?
2: Yeah. And that's really the that's the storyline itself, right? It's this coming of age story, and I think that that's treated with a lot of respect and and uh, and depth, and I think that it's handled very well. But what makes this movie so fascinating is the backdrop, because one of the things that the filmmakers do is draw your attention to the way that society, that gentrification, that progress, that capitalism, that even Hollywood, the links that these different things go to erasing heritage, because so few people even as they point out even in Philadelphia so few people know that this subculture exists that there are people who who ride horses but in fact as they point out the horses have always been there they've been there since uh horse and buggy days yeah. and that uh black cowboys have also always been there and that in fact as they point out in the movie the lone ranger the iconic american uh cowboy is is patterned after a black cowboy named Bass Reeves mm-hmm. from back in the day and so and and i think that it, it, if it were sort of more strident about this point that it's making it, it might feel preachy and less like a, an interesting movie, and that's not the case because, again, there is a great investment in the storyline itself. But one of the things I think that can make a movie great is when it just opens your eyes to things that you never knew existed, and this one does
0: that. And also, we've seen more than a few movies in the last few years about a way of life disappearing. But so often, that's about a white way of life yeah. disappearing, and this is one that's not, and that's refreshing as well. So, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, and it debuts on Netflix this weekend, Concrete Cowboy. Let's have a comedy next. At a Jewish funeral service with her parents, a college student runs into her sugar daddy. This is Shiva Baby. Oh
2: my Hi. Nice. Hi. Mom. I'm so sorry for your loss. No funny business with
1: Maya.
0: You. you can't just like show up to like the after party for a Shiva I... and like reap the benefits of the buffet. Shiva's
2: trying to major
0: again. feminism isn't exactly what I call a career. It's not my know? career, it's a lens.
1: I already have a plan and a path, so. So
0: you just study and, uh, and don't
1: eat and go out with your beautiful friends. Is that it? Is that
2: your life? Yeah. Huh. Yes, that's my life <laughs> wow well, lucky you mom 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 mom. who died
0: Boy, how fun was this it was a lot of fun and this one is uh, is in theaters and also streaming this weekend and i thought it was just a hoot and very funny and so observational it's the feature debut for writer director emma seligman and she's developing expanding her short it's about 8 minutes or so mm-hmm. called Shiva baby And it is just a scream, and you can tell it is really based on a lot of her personal experience because it pretty much takes, well, it does. It takes place all in one day, almost, almost all in this one house where they're having the after party, the buffet for the Shiva, the Jewish funeral. And uh, Danielle, she she doesn't even know who died. (laughs) And she doesn't want to be there, especially once she does get there with her parents. And her parents are played by Fred Malamud. Always reliable. He's so great, and a scene stealing Polly Draper. Remember her from Thirty uh, Something? Yeah, where's she been? She's so know, great in this. She's, she's unbelievable she's in this great, movie. So funny. Uh And so when Danielle gets there, she sees not only is her former flame Maya there, but then to her horror, it gets worse. Her sugar daddy is there, who she had she had just hooked up with earlier in that day. And not only is he there, but he brought his beautiful wife and their baby daughter. Yeesh. Not a good place to be for Danielle. And Danielle is played by Rachel Senot, who is fantastic. Yeah. And just as the day goes on, it gets more awkward and more claustrophobic. And when the day starts, right, as she's hooking up with her sugar daddy, Danielle is confident and she's sexy and she's alluring. And as her art continues through the day... By the end of it, she is an unkempt mess <laughs> of spilled beverages and blood and humiliation. And and as things and events just close in on her, Seligman's camera gets closer and closer. So everybody that talks to her, all of a sudden the close-ups are very, very tight, and it feels so claustrophobic, and you're so anxious, it almost feels like the Cohen brothers were reimagining Uncut Gems as a sex comedy. <laughs> You just can't believe. And all these friends of her parents are asking about what she does, and then her parents want her to make job contacts because she's about to graduate college, and then her former flame wants to know why she ghosted her, and then uh, the uh, sugar daddy's wife is getting suspicious, and ah, it's just. (laughs) But at the same time, it's all this observational comedy, and I I assume if you're Jewish and have been to one of these, you're probably just going to see it as a part of your family. But just like you didn't have to be Greek to enjoy my big fat Greek wedding, you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy this. Right. I'm, I'm sure it adds a layer, but it's so funny and and smart and insightful. And it really is a nice debut, not only for the writer-director, Emma Seligman, but but the uh, the star, Rachel Senat, who's done a few things. But uh, this should really catapult her, because she is fantastic as well. And I really had a good time with this called Shiva Baby, and it's in theaters and streaming. How about a little crime drama romance? The destruction of his grandparents' home leads a young man to take revenge under a masked persona. This is Funny Face.
1: What's with the mask? I don't know. Maybe I'm like a superhero or something? I'm talking about arranging the skyline in your image. Kicking us out of our home to build a parking lot? I want that man dead. This cares about money. You know, do only care about, about, about a loser. T-t-t- time to do
2: something, you know? Really, really do something. Do what? This is the latest from filmmaker Tim Sutton, and uh, you know, if you haven't seen his other films, Donnie Brooke from a couple of years ago, and his first film was called Dark Knight. They're wonderful, and he has such a an interesting style, and he has such a way with compassion. And Alienation. Uh, And this one, uh, actor Cosmo Jarvis. Yeah. That's a name. Yeah. From from last year's Calm With Horses. Yeah,
0: Calm With Horses that was also out. uh, They had another title for it called Shadow of Violence. But very good. And he's very good in it. And as you mentioned in your your review, he reminds you of a, of a young Tom Hardy or maybe even a, a, a young Brando.
2: Yes, yes. I would say because of just a certain preoccupation in this film, they might have been shooting for a James Dean, but it's the same kind of vulnerable, confused, emotional wreck. Brute. who's still yeah. Right, but still very um, tender. There's a tremendous amount of tenderness and also rage in this performance. It's very convincing and compelling, and he does. He lives with his grandparents, who are played by Rhea Perlman, and uh, Nick Tortelli?
0: Dan Hadaya.
2: There you go. <laughs> uh, they got one scene together, and you're Fantastic. just... Fantastic. I know. It's awesome. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's it's another film that's about um, the, the destruction of heritage, the destruction of place in particular. And I think that's really something that this filmmaker understands incredibly well is place and a sense of community that springs from where you are and mm-hmm. the pros and cons of that. So... So this guy, who's obviously a bit of a loner, (laughs) and he walks around his Brooklyn stomping grounds with this creepy sort of child's mask on, this big smiley face mask. And he keeps on top of his head a lot. Sometimes he pulls it down, whatever. And then he runs into a young woman um, in a full hijab. And she's she's basically run away from where she is living and she's stealing some candy from a grocery store, and in this act of kindness where basically he doesn't just pay for her, grocery, her her candy, he buys her a bunch of groceries, they develop a friendship. And it's so slow to develop, and it's quiet, and it's very non-threatening. It's really, it's essentially just these two loners who see something in each other. It's
0: beautiful. And she's played by Della Masquinar.
2: In her first... On-screen performance, yeah. she's she's magnetic. Yeah. She's wonderful. And it's, it's funny because the film has a lot. It's saying a lot of things, but it really feels in a lot of ways just like a series of images. It's got this really wonderful tone. It's not heavily scripted. It's just the way you know what's going on. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know where we're going. Visual
0: but storytelling. That's
2: exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Just this beautifully tonal film. I was so pleased with it. I was so happy to get the chance to watch it.
0: Yeah, and it's on VOD Funny Face. Well, we'll continue the theme about disappearing heritage when her village is threatened with forced resettlement due to reservoir construction. An 80-year-old widow finds a new will to live and ignites the spirit of resilience within her community. This one's called This is Not a Burial, It's a Resurrection. This is from writer-director Limo Hang Jeremiah Moses. Apologies if I messed that up. I probably did. This was reviewed on MadWolf.com by Kat McAlpine and she was blown away. She really was. Uh, she gave it a nearly perfect score and you can see why.
2: First of all, it's so beautiful. You can see, if you just look at still images from it, the color saturation. It's such a beautiful, beautiful film. And you're right, it does deal in... A, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a theme this week. It deals with how progress you know, um, just does away with entire cultures and and the heritage that goes along with that. It's heartbreaking, it's resilient, and it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, this is really, uh, really a must-see. And if you want to check out Kat's full review, you can find it now at madwolf.com. And this one you can find through the virtual screening room at Gateway Film Center. Correct, at gatewayfilmcenter.org. Again, it's called This Is Not a Burial, It's a Resurrection. Next is the story of Dara returning home to reconnect with her husband and her young daughter, whom she left two years earlier. When she arrives, she discovers that a woman who was seven months pregnant has taken her place and that her daughter no longer recognizes her. This tells the story of a woman's struggle to regain the life she left behind. It's called Like a House on Fire.
2: He let our daughter call this woman Mommy. What is she even doing here? He's not your husband. What are you doing? I'm the woman my her daughter. House. I am her mother.
1: Are you... Understand me then,
2: and you still don't understand me. I went away to get better, so that I could come back and be in this family the right way, if I'm still welcome.
1: Your daughter's lucky. Why is that? She has you.
2: Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she was pretty impressed by the performances and really by the sort of brave storytelling where you you have a lead character who... And and I think in most films would just be outright unlikable. Somebody who just abandoned her family right. and now wants to insinuate herself back into that family. And they it's it's not told with broad strokes. It's a very detailed and nuanced story with some really wonderful performances to match.
0: Because most people would would say to that character, "There's no reason. There's no justifiable reason right. why a mother would ever do this." Exactly. And this this uh, film and this filmmaker says, "Well, let's reimagine that." And it's writer director Jesse Noah Klein. And this is a really bargain rental. Uh, watch on Prime for just a buck ninety nine. Uh, and again, you can check out the full review from Rachel Willis at MadWolf.com. She was impressed, and it's like a house on fire. <laughs> Next is a historical drama. Dr. Bernard Nathanson and Dr. Mildred Jefferson square off in a national battle of the most famous and controversial court case in history. This is Roe v. Wade. Perhaps this is beyond the authority of the Supreme
1: Court. We are the law of the land.
0: These girls should not be put through the pregnancy and
2: should be entitled to an abortion.
1: God, forgive me, what am I done? The true, silent minority. Who is speaking for
0: these children? Obviously a very controversial, hot-button topic. This was reviewed for us at MadWolf.com by Christy Robb. And I think the main thing to remember with movies like this is, when you're coming at it from a critical standpoint, it doesn't matter what side of the debate you're on. The question is... Is it a good movie? And the answer here is no. No, it's not well made. It's not well written. The performances
2: are not very good. So, yeah, again, regardless of where you fall on the issue itself,
0: the movie is not any good. It's a case where, and we've seen it with other films, where the agenda that the film has is first and foremost, and the the basics of storytelling and filmmaking are way down the list.
2: I'm not sure they even showed up.
0: (laughs) And you can uh, see in detail what Christy thought at MadWolf.com. And let's wrap it up with a horror comedy. Sometimes the past comes back to bite you. Two rival mob families are transferred from the Witness Protection Agency by mistake to the same city in Witness Infection.
2: I'm not Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park. I am not Yuffet Kodo in Alien, nor am I Dwayne mother... Jones who gave up himself to save the white men and women of this movie only to get killed by a racist white cop in the end. Night
1: of the living dead 1968
2: a class. So we want to start with a big welcome and a big apology. This is the very first review written by Samantha Harden, who was our intern this year. Lovely human being and just a wonderful person to work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, she does another review for us in a couple of weeks for Moffy, which is a much better film. But we didn't intentionally stick her with a bad film the first time out it's just <laughs> luck of the draw it's not a good movie uh it doesn't have doesn't bring anything new to the table honestly and the the one scene that you sort of develop some interest in with one character um they just sort of she disappears later with no explanation as to what happened and and with her any interest you might have had in the film so this is a good one to skip
0: probably the most noteworthy thing about this movie is that it stars robert belushi who is the son of jim belushi It's got to be related with a name like that. So if you want to check out Samantha's first review, Witness Infection, it's at madwolf.com. And with that, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby, checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. The Schlocketeer. Always got the latest news. Ear to the ground. What are you hearing?
1: Well, uh, Warner Brothers has delayed its release of Mortal Kombat by one week. It will now open in theaters and premiere on HBO Max on April 23rd. MGM has delayed the release of Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man by a few weeks. Uh, that's Jason Statham revenge flick. It will now open in theaters on May 7th, So it took Black Widow's all date. Lion's Gate has moved up the release of their action comedy sequel, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. And that will arrive in theaters on June 16th. That's a sequel to the Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson movie. I guess they're both back for that with Antonio Banderas as a villain, I believe. And IFC Midnight will release Neil Blomkamp's horror movie Demonic in theaters on August 20th. I'm really excited about that one. They haven't confirmed yet whether or not it's also going to hit VOD on that date, but since it's IFC, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. And Warner Brothers has shifted the release of the Hugh Jackman sci-fi thriller Reminiscence, which will now arrive in theaters and on HBO Max on August 27th. Sony has pushed back the release of Venom 2 by one week. It will open in theaters on September 24th. And Sony's also pushed back their Resident Evil reboot by a few months to November 24th because uh, that Labor Day weekend was getting a little crowded.
2: So the Mortal Kombat movie is rated R, and yes. um, and it looks like we are going to get to do something with them in terms of a uh, public screening. We're going to get some prizes, and we're going to get to maybe host a public screening of that one, so uh, a preview screening of that one. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, That is exciting. I wish I could be there for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just slowly getting the feeling like maybe we're getting ready to kind of almost get back to normal i mean right. i know daniel you saw the overseas receipts for uh, godzilla versus kong and everybody's getting uh, their hopes up that it'll translate over here
1: yeah uh it'll apparently cross 200 million worldwide today and i guess it's doing way better than most domestic releases have yeah. for the past year
0: yeah who Remember- knew
1: godzilla versus kong would be the First right. Big hit of 2021, but hey,
0: here we are. <laughs> Remember back when we were told *Tenant* was going to be the one that brought people yeah. back to theaters? That seems like years ago. Yeah. It Uh-oh. does seem like ages ago. It does. It does. Well, hopefully, this will be the one to do it because Lord knows those theaters need it. They need oh, it. God, uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, we hope so. Fingers right. crossed. Yeah, exactly. All right. Daniel Baldwin, you can always catch up with him at The Schlocketeer. Thank you much. Thank you. We're looking ahead to next week. Not quite as gigantic as this week, but uh, we'll probably get more. But as of right now, it's led by Voyagers. Thunder Force. Is that animated? It sounds like a Saturday morning.
2: No, no. It's Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarty. So it it could be pretty funny. Yes.
0: yeah. Well, you mentioned Mafi. That's Mm -hmm. coming next week as well. The Power. Embryo. Dawn of the
2: Beast, and also the entire slate of Oscar-nominated short films. Oh,
0: I always like to check those out. Oh, yeah. Always like to check those out. I remember as a kid, and I would watch the Oscars, and they would get to the shorts, and I would think to myself, where does anybody see these? Yeah. So it's fantastic that you can see these in programs, in curated programs, because a lot of times they also add other... Nice short films. If you don't have, if the short films aren't long enough to really make a, a decent program, they'll add more yeah. uh, that were considered. So yeah, definitely worth checking those, those out as well. Always look forward to it. Uh, look forward to your comments. Anything you thought about the movies this week? And there's a bunch to chew on. Godzilla versus Kong right at the top. Uh, let us know. Keep the conversation going on Twitter. That's the easiest way you can find us at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews. And from the reviews from all the Mad Wolf Pack, we kept them busy this week, didn't we? We did. Well done. That's all at MadWolf.com. Also find our other podcast, uh, Horror Movies Only, called Fright Club. Got a new uh, episode of that dropping as well. That's all at MadWolf.com. So until next week, keep in touch if you can. Stay well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya.
1: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.
2: Okay everybody, that's a wrap.